Welcome to the Wisdom Journey with Stephen Davey. Stephen is the president of Shepherd's Theological Seminary in Cary, North Carolina. On this Wisdom Journey, he's teaching through the entire Bible over three years. Today's lesson is called, A New Commandment of Love. What do people see when they look at you? If you're a follower of Jesus, what they should see is love that reflects God's love. Here's Stephen with today's lesson. Our study today reminds me of the stages of growth that occur in the life and development of a little child. Stage one is infancy, and the principal statement in this stage is, help me out. And the focus at this stage is survival. My little granddaughter, Lily, is right now going around the house saying, help, help. Well, that's this principal statement in stage number one. Stage number two is discovery. And the principal statement is, tell me what to do. And the primary focus is learning. A growing child is learning everything from walking to talking. Stage three moves from discovery to personalization, and the primary statement is, show me how to do it. The focus here is challenge. Stage number four is maturity, and that principal statement says something like, watch me because I'm going to take off on my own, and here the focus is reproduction. Now, here's the question. What stage are you living in as a disciple of the Lord The mark of a maturing disciple is not just more knowledge. It's actually reproduction. And that's what makes Jesus' comment here in the upper room so incredibly powerful. I'm reading now from John chapter 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you, my disciple, to begin reproducing me, my attitude, my spirit, my love in and through your life. Now, granted, as believers, we'll never completely leave each stage of development behind. Sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need more information. In fact, God never intended us to get beyond the need for teaching and encouragement and challenges. We're, we're always going to need somebody to tell us or, or help us or, or show us how. Discipleship is a continual process of learning and doing and teaching and sometimes failing. Now, before we move on, we should note that Satan has entered Judas, according to John chapter 13 and verse 27, and and Judas has now left the upper room. It's now at this point that Jesus says this here in verse 31, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. What this means is that the possession of Judas by Satan and the departure of Judas, well, that now commences the final steps in the process of Jesus' glorification 
as the Messiah. In other words, his hour has finally come. Jesus begins an explanation here in verse 33. Little children, yet a little while, and I'm with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. This is the only time in the Gospels Jesus calls his disciples little children. It's a rather affectionate term often used by Greeks to describe the relationship between a mother and her infant. As a mother would say, my little sweet boy or my little girl, Jesus is saying, my dear little children. And what's he saying? I'm going to go away and you can't come with me. He's anticipating his death and his return to the Father. And and this means, by the way, the disciples won't be able to join him immediately. So so why does he use this affectionate term? Well, I believe it's because he's preparing uh, them for one of the most frightening things a child can ever experience, being alone. In a very real sense, the disciples are at this moment experiencing childlike fear. And that fear is heard in what Peter says, verse 36. Lord, where are you going? He follows this in verse 37 with, why can't I not follow you now? And then the self-confident declaration, I will lay down my life for you. Well, the Lord says to Peter here in verse 38, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. Well, we'll see the fulfillment of this prophecy a little later on in our wisdom journey. Matthew and Mark add that Jesus says all the disciples will abandon him that night. They're going to flee, run, scatter like sheep. Well, it seems like Peter and the others haven't heard Jesus's command here in verse 34 at all. They're focused on dealing with the idea of his departure. Uh, but, but it's this overlooked command that's the answer to their fears. Listen to it again. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. In other words, he's telling them you're not going to be alone. You have each other. You're going to have a spiritual family where the love of Christ is reproduced in you and through you. Well, now in the next chapter, Jesus tells them that he's going to give them the Holy Spirit as a comforter. But let me explain. He isn't giving them the Holy Spirit so that they won't need each other. And that's true for us today as well. In fact, his disciples' remarkable love is going to be noticed. Jesus says here in verse 35, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He's saying the world is going to know who his disciples are by this one badge, this one characteristic, which is love for one another. But what's so new about this commandment? Well, first of all, this is a new concept of love. The word for love here is agape. Agapao is the verb form. It refers to a a conscious choice to sacrifice, to commit, to give. With agape love, you don't fall in love. You choose to love. The word agape was seldom used in the secular world. It was considered rather boring and bland. The Greek writers preferred other words for love, like eros, which we get our word erotic, erotic love, 
or epithumia, that's passionate love, or, or even storge, for family love. It's interesting that God chose to use agape almost exclusively in references to the gospel, to, to marriage and family, and even the church. You are choosing to love one another. Secondly, this isn't just a new concept of love. There's now a new example of love. Jesus says here, just as I have loved you. He's saying, I want you to move on to the fourth stage here of living. I've showed you how. Now reproduce this kind of love in your own lives. You see, when Jesus says, love one another, you know, we tend to think of the whole body of Christ. But I, I want you to consider the fact that this command was initially given to 11 men. When he said, love each other, well, they looked around at each other. (laughs) Look at them. They have different personalities, different backgrounds, different opinions. Jesus is not saying to them, I want you to try to love each other. I want you to give it your best shot. No, he's saying, love each other like I have loved you. And I want you to think about this fact. Jesus is actually giving the world the opportunity to test our authenticity. It's as if Jesus says to the world, I'm going to give you the measuring stick to test the reality of those who say they belong to me. So you can decide for yourselves, world, based on what you see. Beloved, what do they see in you and me? They need to see self-sacrificing love for one another. I have read after the USS Pueblo was captured by the North Koreans back in the 1960s, the surviving crew members were thrown into brutal captivity. In fact, in one particular instance, 13 of the men were required to sit in a very rigid manner around a conference table for hours at a time. Then the door was violently flung open and a guard brutally beat the man in the first chair with the butt of his rifle. The next day, as each man sat again at their assigned seats, the door was thrown open, and that same man in the first chair was brutally beaten. On the third day, it happened again to the same man. Well, knowing that this man could not survive much more, Another young sailor took his place, and when the door was flung open, the guard automatically beat the new victim senseless. And for for weeks, each day, a new man slipped forward to sit in that horrible chair, knowing exactly what would happen. Well, at last, the guards gave up in exasperation. They were simply unable to defeat that kind of love these men had for one another. Beloved, let's not forget that the world is watching us. So let's look for ways to show our world this badge, this distinctive, this kind of love, the love of Christ that we have for one another. Well, until our next wisdom journey sets sail, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
This lesson is called A New Commandment of Love, and I hope it encouraged you today. At the beginning of the program, I mentioned that Stephen is the president of Shepherd's Theological Seminary. That school was recently recognized as one of the top five fastest-growing evangelical seminaries in America. If you or someone you know is interested in graduate-level theological training, I encourage you to consider STS. Stephen and the world-class faculty would love the opportunity of investing in you. The school is training men and women for lifelong service to God. You can study online if you're unable to relocate here. And you can learn more about the seminary at wisdomonline.org forward slash STS. Visit there today, then join us back here next time to continue traveling along this wisdom journey.